0: Welcome to episode five hundred and fifty-five of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode five five five. Oh, sorry, five five nine. 9 nine. I've only talked for Coach John Newsome and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm
1: pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Why are you pretty good? Well, I got down your driveway safely, which is one thing. I've got to put in a request for some demossing of the driveway, please. I so was uh, a little concerned about my safety. It does get a little bit slippery. Yeah. yeah, I
0: have. I have actually slipped off once. Yes. Yeah. don't so. know. If the problem when you a share, driveway, John. No one really takes responsibility for it. Uh, and we used to have up. this neighbor, the neighbor up in the, where they're right behind us here in the big White House. Mm-hmm. So she mm-hmm. loved gardening. So she'd look after pretty much most of the driveway mm-hmm. or she even moved out. Mm-hmm. and Now they've got a, someone who lives in there who's got a, a cat-eating dog. Yeah. And Joe has now become the person who looks after the top of the driveway. Because right. mm-hmm. Joe basically, it gets to a point where she can't handle it anymore. Mm-hmm. Whereas with me, you'd be a jungle out there. But I do spray the weeds. Right. Don't do moss. Do your bit. I do my bit. I do my bit. I spray it right up to the top because I'm doing my bit. Community, John. Good. You give and you take. Good. Iron Talk is proudly brought to you by athlinks.com, social networking for endurance athletes, extreme endurance your Arctic Buffer,
1: and our patrons. <laughs> and let's
0: name a few right now
1: Paul the Butcher Hellings.
0: We've got the Missile, Mark Scudamore. Michael Sylvester Parrott good old Ian my old my my, my roommate I roomed off Ian White Lightning Hursley yeah, Just I've pushed record, okay? <laughs> Richard, the golden one, Lonsdale. And if you want to come a patron go to DubDubDub, dip, dip, dip. I am talk, talk, Me and you are sweet ass, bro. Again, okay, this week's show, we've got a couple interviews, but we've got some news, we've got a hot topic and we've got two interviews. John, who are we interviewing?
1: We have. We've got the, the famous mountain snail and the reason we got him on is the Breka race was on in Wanaka last weekend, which is a swim run event. You've heard about them over in Sweden and they made their way into the States last year. This is the first one we've ever had in New Zealand and the mountain snail was participating, so we thought we'd get it on and find out what these races are all about. And then we've got? We've got Chad Holderbaum, who is a p- racing in the professional ranks in the States, but he's an age grouper with a family, a job and all that sort of stuff, um, but he also did an interesting run across Haiti recently, so we're going to talk to him about that.
0: And then a couple of questions and answers at the end, but other than that, John, let's get straight into it. This week, we, in the news we have... Uh, Regional Championship time. Regional champion. am Man South
1: Africa is you, about to happen. you got to watch out that you don't get mugged over there. Frederick Van Leeg. Lair- <laughs> well, no. It's legit. You haven't. You haven't you obviously haven't scrolled down to see the rest of the news. Frederick Van Leeg got mud, mugged this week.
0: Where, where is the rest of the news?
1: Uh, it is under... It's just under the pit bit that I didn't include <laughs> <laughs> see don't
0: blame me for not doing my job I always yeah, read your
1: no, notes Mark uh, uh, he got knocked off his bike by a bunch of kids and they uh, <laughs> stole his phone and something else they literally got him off the bike and hit him with a stick and, uh, and took his stuff wow so, is he okay uh, I believe so so you know he's he's okay and but i don't know if he's got got any injuries from it or anything like that so not good advertising for the event and also uh, pretty
0: scary when you get back on your bike to go home because mm. you'd be pretty threatened wouldn't you mm. and you can't ring anyone if you lost a phone exactly you know like geez yeah. that'd be pretty scary
1: yeah so uh but it's Regional Championship, should be should be a great race. Um, Last year, Ben Hoffman took it out in eight hours twelve minutes from Tim Van Berkel and Marco Albert. And on the girls' side, Kaiser Latonen from Finland took it out from Susie Cheatham and Lucy Gossage. And uh, and but Kaiser went on to have a great race over in Kona. She was one of the real surprise packets, but maybe she shouldn't have been given she won this race last year. Uh, Guys' side of things, um, we had good field. Good field. And these these regional championships now big fields as well We've probably got about just over 40 guys on the, the start list there um, Freddie Van Laird, uh will Hopefully, be all fired up to to get back on top of the podium. He's predicted on trirating.com to come in first. Got other strong athletes like Nils Fromhold, Ben Hoffman's back to defend his title, Boris Stein, and the veteran Niko Larnos, along with David McNamee, who's had top t- uh, the fastest run splits in Kona, Joe Skipper, who is lightning quick and got second at Ironman New Zealand last year, James Carnamah, Carl Buckingham. So you've got some uh, some serious uh, some serious athletes racing there. So it should be. Good times, and Harry. Peter Brusick. Peter Brusick. He's still he's gone. Still gone. Um, and the the last athlete listed on the ones with seedings who have got sort Drew of Scott. rankings is Drew Scott, Dave Scott's son. He spent the summer out here training in Christchurch, oh, New Zealand. So
0: he should have a pretty good. Base what kind son? of a level? If, if Drew Scott had a good, because his, his times here are pretty low. His, his
1: run t- His run times. Uh, he's obviously just had a shock at all the runs, because his some. Predicted swim time is 52 minutes. Predicted bike time is 4.43. And compared to the top guys, they're sort of just around 4.30 or just under. But his run time is predicted to be 5 hours 36. So he's only got uh, two results. But what kind of level name. could
0: he be based on you, what you saw? Oh, good. You
1: know, sort of one of those, you know, maybe f- fifth sort of type thing, okay, so, so okay, he's better than an average age group, so I'd call him sort of you know, at 70.3 he's had some good results so certainly not a top tier pro but I'd say a lower second tier pro. Okay,
0: nice. Uh, on the gills we've got, we've got,
1: got th- Josh Amberger there as well who will likely lead out of the swim and uh, start spanking it on the bike and we'll see what he can do over the rest of the race. Girls, gills? Daniela Reef should absolutely she's predicted even predicted to have a dojo domination. Her expected time is eight hours 49.25, and in second place predicted is Kaiser Latonen from Finland in nine hours and 10 minutes. So it's pretty hard to think she's not gonna
0: absolutely crush everybody. Well, if we look at this field, it doesn't seem as strong. Oh, no, it's pretty good. Oh, it's
1: not as strong as the guys. I'm going to debate
0: that. Okay, let's debate uh, it. Kaiser let's like
1: have a Ka- master debate. Kaiser Latonin is, um, you know, she was she was in the top five in Kona last year.
0: She's the one who was who loved Ironman as a kid.
1: Yeah, she did something crazy. She she, she rode a hundred, wrote her hundred, rate, wrote her hundred k with her. She's like twelve or yeah, something. yeah, yeah. No, that was her. And uh, really, she bub- was a really bub- lovely character. To it. Yeah, she's lovely. Hmm. Uh, Jodie Carnamart, um, you know, she's
0: yet to really. Yeah, but, okay, outside of those two, there's no...
1: Yeah, i got Susie Cheatham, she's been top ten in Kona. Julia Geiger, she's um, been top three at regional championships. Okay, you're so you win your masturbate. There you go. You're good a really Kristen good Moller. masturbator. Uh, yeah, so I th- I'd like to say, no, the girls have got a good strong field. Definitely Lee
0: Duke, we've had her on a show. We have indeed.
1: She's seated uh, down there in 17th place. So, yeah, but again, size of the girls' field here. It's fantastic. You got 30, yeah. 32 on the start list. Um, so that's, that's awesome. Yeah, we, We've said before often you know not at regional championships but other races you know you might get
0: five girls turning up so this is great oh back in the old days you'd have races where you might get two pros mm. so there's been a shift which is good so good racing check it out we'll be talking about next week hits
1: it's a Carlos is coming up this weekend as well so the north american season kicking off and we've got a bunch of 70.3s as well there's uh, there's Oceanside, I think there's Galveston might be this weekend, so the North American season is starting to kick off.
0: Okay, the other th- piece of news we've got, well, we've got quite a, piece, quite a few pieces of news coming out, but the first one is Collins Cup news. So Collins Cup is the, the basically the World Ryder Challenge, Cup. kind of rider Cup challenge, so you've got the Australasia, you've got the Euros, and you've got the American, and the PR release we've got this week is that Dave Scott and Karen Smyers will be the team leaders of the Team USA. So they're obviously not going to be participating whilst they probably both could participate they're probably not
1: at the level that they, they would be required to be so they're the, the non-racing team captains and I think they're great choices you know, both of them, or um, well Dave Scott especially is still very involved in the sport um, I'm not sure to what extent Karen Smyers is still involved in the sport but you need, that. they the both won Hawaii obviously, um, Karen Smyers also had a, just a magnificent short course career as well, just a great all rounder and Both pretty inspiring sort of people, so I think they're they're good good choices. So now they need to name the European team captains and the rest of the world team captains. So I was thinking for Europe, you know, given this is a long course race, you probably got to go with someone who's won Kona or been very very good at Ironmans around the world. So um, I was thinking you got Faris El Sultan, um, you got. Thomas Hellriegel, we got Luke van Laird, um, Rob Burrell. Whilst hasn't won Kona, was uh, has just been a, an all-round legend. You got Lothar Leda, um and then on the girls' side of things, Natasha Badman is you know probably the most successful European athlete at Iron Distance races. Isabel Mouton, um, and, and a bit of a curveball, Sarah Springman, who we had on Legends of Triathlon some time ago. Whilst she didn't um, top the podium in Kona, she she. I just really enjoyed the interview we did with her, and and she might be someone who can really help inspire the team a little bit. Um, seemed like a very onto it um, lady, and then the final one who I would say might get the nod would be Chrissy Wellington, given she's still not participating, but she could uh, hopefully rally the troops and get the Europeans all fired up. Although with Brexit, <laughs> does Britain still count as Europe? I suppose it does. Yeah, can, yeah, and it's then its own world. Um, for the guy side of things, if I was thinking at that list, I don't know who I'd quite go for there. Um, I'd probably go for Rob Burrell. Who we had uh, inside word is making a comeback and is looking to win his age group over in kona this year and also i think win his age group at the itu distance as well so he's obviously coming back storming back into the sport for the rest of the world team um i thought the some of the obvious choices would be greg welsh um Maka, but i think probably the choice i reckon they might go with would be Crowy, because well she's too tied up with um with WTC to do anything outside of that. Mac is off, off doing all his other things um, and Crowey I think would be a, a really good choice there. And then on the girls' side of things you'd have McKaylee Jones, Erin Baker, she's not really involved in the sport anymore. Pauline Uby-Fraser's tied up with um, with Ironman. Fernanda Keller could be a bit of a, you know, hasn't won Kona but had a huge amount of top tens there and won lots of races. Heather Fuhr's too tied up in, in WTC. Laurie Bowden's no longer on the scene but I thought a, a really good choice and something I'd wouldn't be surprised if they do. Belinda Granger hasn't, um, hasn't won Kona, but won lots of other races like Rose and, and what have you. But she'd be a pretty cool team captain. I think they'd get them all fired up.
0: I wonder how they're going. So it's going to be in June. Well, the first event is scheduled for June. So I wonder what pros they're going to get. Mm. You know, it'll be really interesting. You know, like when we look at what Maker and um, the league, the Super League have done, they, they got the guns. Mm. Um, it'll be interesting to see the pros are going. I can't remember the exact format. Can you remember the format? Yeah. Uh, yeah,
1: It's sort of you You start in groups and you're racing over a middle distance race and it's all points-based and, yeah, it's get um, you go off in, was it 10-minute intervals or something like that? So I think the concept's oh wait, cool.
0: distance, The racing thing is expected to be long course distance of 3K. 120,
1: 30K, something yeah, like 25K. that? Mm. 25K. So it's one of those things. You can, you know, Macca and, and the Super League guys. But it's one-on-one,
0: on one, is it? So it's, yeah, it must be. Okay, so you, it's three athletes racing at a time.
1: Mm. Oh, okay, um,
2: I can't remember. Much it's, it's, about it. it it's a
1: hell of a lot easier to make a fifteen-minute
0: race interesting, and exciting than it is to make a.
2: Was well, like hour the time? Remember
0: years ago, Peter Reed took on Tim De one on one in a race. It's like everybody watching paint dry. It might have been a half, not a full, mm-hmm. but even then, it was just. Mm, wasn't not, yeah, so well interesting, and, and as this um, article on so Twitch kind of alludes to, is that you know Mecca has set the bar pretty high now. So mm. we you know we want these types of things to come through and be really successful. And this is actually a way for these guys to fundraise, isn't it? It was, mm. it was a way for the what do they call themselves? The triathlon professional triathlons council unit, or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So you know we want this race to go really well. So it's good to you know put a few legends on on board, and we hopefully we get a really good. For the race, it will be interesting because Super League was very short course. This might be that longer course version of a Super League type of race. So the knives are out, John. The knives are out for Super League not having females. Yeah, so we had some fantastic,
1: uh, yeah, we were very, very positive about this last week. Um, But I've seen a number of posts now where, um, you know, people are not happy about there not being females racing, and fair enough. but I just thought there was, the positivity around that event was awesome. And uh, and I just hope they do have women at the next race, which
0: they've, they've indicated that they will. But What's the criticism? They, they should have had them because... Didn't have women. Yeah. It's, which I suppose is fair enough. Uh, absolutely. But... I don't know if, I, I
1: understand both sides of the story. You know, just to get this thing off the ground. Yeah, you've got to have a win. Got, I've got this amount of money. To, to uh, Yeah. I, I see... I definitely see both sides of the argument, and I'm sure they would have wanted to do females, but yeah, it's,
0: it's well. Then up. the other question is, why didn't they just go females, not males?
1: There you go. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it's mm-hmm. putting it out there, isn't it, John? Mm. I, I I agree. Like I I don't see this being made from sexist reasons. No, I, I, I purely mean and think their intention was we've got to have a really big win. We want to put all our eggs in one basket. Let's just nail this first. And now, you, now everybody's going, that was
1: wicked, let's that, take it to the next yeah, level. Yeah, and, and
0: I think they really smacked it out of the park on that reason. Mm. Um, but I am a male, maybe a female would differ in their opinions. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah I, I get it. At the same time, I don't think we'd be too hard on them. Mm. Mm. Tough on that one, isn't it? It is. Yeah, okay, we're also just saying Rini is pregnant. Yes, I was actually thinking this the other day. I was what, like, she was hey. pregnant?
1: Yeah, well, she <laughs> was. And then, <laughs> like, then there was an uh, astronaut going, oh. Huh. What was just thinking about well, the other day. were you think about Rennie being pregnant? Well, she's at that stage in her life where you've achieved... Clock's a huge ticking. It, it is. <laughs> you've achieved a huge amount. How old's Rennie? I would say... Oh, let me take this. I reckon okay, she'd wait, be... Yep. Marinda Carfrey. I'm going to say 33. Okay. Wait. I reckon about that. Anyway, wait, wait, uh, okay. so they're pregnant expecting it in
0: August, so... Wait a again? 33 you reckon, eh? Yeah You're wrong What? 36 There you go I was hitching <laughs> my bets there and, and turning 37 Oh no, just turned 36 Yeah 36 on Monday actually Yeah, there you go No, 36 on Sunday Congre- Happy birthday And congratulations mm. And Timothy O'Donnell How old do you think he is? Uh, the same <laughs> You're right He's 36 as well
1: Oh, they're having a family It's pretty cool Cool. Um, we also had one other piece of news there, triathlon.org, so that's the ITU, released, uh, they've had a couple of positive tests, a couple of Chinese athletes from tainted food that the athletes took. So another example here where the athletes did take something, uh, it was some glucose lollies or something like that. Yeah. in then when... Uh, Took them along and got them tested, and several of the tests came back saying, "Yep, they are tainted." I mean, you guys still took them, so tough, 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 tough titties. What uh, was their ban? How long did they get banned for? They only ended up getting, I think, ten months. Um, so because of that, that they were able to come back and say, "Yes, we did
0: take them, but unknowingly, their ban was was reduced." That's it's such a hard one. That one, mm. isn't it? It's so hard. Because mm. how can you test everything you're going to eat? I'm hearing you. You know, and they're, and they're getting punished because of incompetency or. Well, maybe. Oh, God knows. It's such. A, it's such murky yeah, if water. I go, if
1: we go and have, I don't know. Go have some peanut butter or something like that. If it's tainted with something, it's like, oh, bloody hell. Mm.
0: So, feel for
1: them. Uh, haven't got anything for what the hell's going on this week, so all good. Well done, everybody. We've, uh, we've stayed John's on happy the straight- for one we've week. We've stayed on the straight and narrow. <laughs>
0: Belinda's happy because John's happy. Okay, guys, last week's discussion. So, John was going for a run with the Philinator, and he was just saying that, basically, the Philinator goes back and listens to the Peter Reed interview quite a few times. He just thinks it's absolute gold, and it got John thinking... What have been the greatest interviews we've done and what do you guys think they are? And I noticed John's got a little list here.
1: I have. So I had a quick look through last night and so we had lots of responses to this, which is great. Huge variety. So I've got my little list here, Bevan. There's probably about 30 names on there or something like that. But the ones that really stood out were... Melina is very, very popular. Yep. So we have done too, Melina for um, Legends, haven't we? We've had him lots yeah, of I remember times. Yeah, so we out here for Legends, yeah. yeah. So we have maybe, and this was for re- replaying some of these while we're, Bevan and I, on our um, overseas trips. So I've got Kona Camp, and Bevan's gone on his honeymoon, so we're just going to try to get some shows out there where. Shows will be coming, but will be a bit more
0: kind of preloaded.
1: Hmm. And uh, so we've got Melina was very popular. Aaron Baker was very popular. Peter Reed was very popular. Chrissy Wellington. Sato got a few votes, and Spencer Smith, our first ever Legends interview, was very popular. Gordo, um, he gets lots of votes, doesn't he? And those were the main ones. There were lots of others that had sort of one or two th- people. A few Sato, a few people wanted to hear the Sato ones again. That would take us about three months to replay those. So were uh, they were <laughs> two shows. It was about two and a half hours, wasn't there, of the first one?
0: Yeah, and we just said hello.
1: And the second one was, <laughs> was we did a second one as well, didn't we? It was yeah. We should similar. get on again, but he's he, like
0: he's 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 an interesting character, but he's Absolutely. a good interview. He's he's you know.
1: For Simon Lessing in there, and most of the other ones were um, sort of one or two people. A few people said Jackie um, Gallagher or Jackie Fairweather, yeah. which we have replayed already. Um, a few people said uh, John McAvoy, which we had on a few weeks ago. This might have been a few months ago now. So he was the age group athlete from the UK who is a reformed criminal. Oh, for, he was amazing. So wasn't that he? was a great interview. Yeah. Uh, one for Iron Cowboy. A few for John Hellman's. One for um, Mike Perg, one for Bob Babbitt one for Mike Riley a couple of people for Valerie Silk for, who was the founder uh, who, who managed the Ironman Hawaii for a number of years so yeah so we will we'll do we will pick out the most popular ones there and uh, you'll be hearing from them But you John? Um, I've actually probably enjoyed some of the non-athlete ones hugely as well i mean i all, pretty much all the legends ones i've really thoroughly enjoyed but people like um sarah springman who i said before i, I thoroughly enjoyed not know because a lot of the Do others was uh, reckon, she was the one she was the um involved in the british triathlon union she did oh she yeah did she was
0: and she was a very successful businesswoman and stuff hey? she mm. was like a quite proper lady mm, yeah absolutely and yeah she,
1: i think she got a, like a, a fifth or something in kona it was around about that level yeah but what she did with the British Triathlon Association with ITU with the women's movement within ITU. I just thought it was spectacular. Um, so I've really enjoyed some of those ones. Uh, and Steve King, who was yep. he was a name I couldn't remember the other day actually when we were talking about the Canadian commentator, and he had this massive mullet um, that was on. Didn't he have glasses as well? Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah. Yep. There's some of those ones because I don't know much about them. So when we interview people like Simon Essing and Spencer Smith, love it but I know a lot of the results and stories and what have you, but these other ones, um, yeah, so I'd say Sarah Springman of the more recent ones was one of my most enjoyable.
0: Uh, to
1: me... I've got to go back and listen to Peter Reid because um, yeah, I think everybody weird. raves about that and I haven't gone back um, because basically I know, if, you know, I've got them in my pocket. <laughs> 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 my listeners don't play your beat, hey? <laughs> That's right.
0: <laughs> um, to me, Mike Piggs. Uh, Mike Piggs to me Was mm-hmm. There was just a raw honesty with him And, and that moment I just, I, I've probably said this quite a few times on the show over the years But that moment when he said It's hard to stop being Superman it was just such an amazing statement. Mm. And uh yeah, I loved I loved his interview. And you know, the way Pig raced, there was always this sense of the guy the on it, edge. It was one strategy, yeah. It was just you're there to go all out and see what happens. And uh you know, Pig of of the eighties is kind of probably the, the last guy to get mentioned, really, isn't it? It's kind mm. of the big four. And then Mike Pig. Yeah, and then Mike Pig. And and Pig, you know, he knew he, Never won Kona. But no, he didn't do great
1: in Kona, but he was—he was more of a short course. It was that, that was back in the day when. There weren't that many races, but there was quite a few iconic races, you know, like St. Croix and the and the Chicago Triathlon and quite a bit of short course. It was when short course was getting the limelight, and the, what it wasn't all about long course.
0: Yeah, he was he was just absolutely unbelievable. So, um, Carl,
1: Carl Trout, man, he I, I've got to go and read this post, but you wrote a book in there. Um, what do we call? I think it was the, the fish. No, it was it's it's something to a fish. If yeah, it was it's trout. Like come on, we're not that obvious. I think he's he's going on about um my what the hell's and drafting and what have you. So, Carl, I, I will get to that, and uh, I'll come back to you with the response
0: okay this week's discussion we got an email through from pete colson he's just saying is this comment correct regards to olympic distance versus ironman is it okay to be slower at 70.3 in ironman but not so much for olympic distance for age groupers
2: so
1: the reason we brought this up i think i'd made the comment around there being a bit of a disconnect between you know we've got these itu rock stars and you don't really feel like you're on the same course as them and you can't I don't know, share the experience as much with the Javier Gomez as opposed to when you go and do, say, um, Ironman Lake Placid, you know, say um, Andy Potts wins it, you kind of go, that's cool. I know. I, I can feel what Andy went through on that day. And but I thought it was an interesting comment that Pete made. He said, you know, it, it's okay for it to go out there and be slow when you do an Ironman or a 70.3, but an Olympic distance, it's more about being fast. Mm. And is that correct where you're from? Because I definitely think that, I think that's an appropriate comment in New Zealand. A lot of people do medium to long distance races and they can trudge along and, and just go along at their pace, but they don't really go and do the local sprints and Olympic distance triathlons because they are deemed maybe to be a bit more elite. So, what's it like where you're from and do you think that's a, a correct statement that Olympic distance is it's not it's not that's not it's more that it's there's not as many slow people and you don't probably feel as comfortable at Olympic distance races.
0: But also the problem for endurance. The endurance overall is athletes just think longer is always the answer. Mm. You know, like, so, well, what's the next goal? I'll go longer. Exactly. You know, and it's like, well, why don't you go for speed? And it's, uh, and, and it's really interesting that like, I've got a lady who I've worked with and she's done really well with some marathons and stuff. And I try to set goals for about faster times. It never motivates her. Yeah. I'm not quite sure why, you know. And it's like, why is that? You know, the longer is always the answer instead of fast. And topic for your fitness behavior, Bevan. There we go. I might dig deep into it. Yeah. There we go. Listen out. Okay, guys. So let's, well, let's go Sponsor. Sponsor. sponsor.
1: Extreme endurance. You're going to hear a bit more about this in this interview because uh, John, the mountain snow Hancock, who did Brecker at the weekend, he said uh, he got some really good response from his extreme endurance. He also did say to me on an email that he started getting a bit of a cold coming on at the start of the week, started hitting the immune boost, and he was he came right by race day yesterday. I was out standing in the rain all bloody day from seven o'clock until about two o'clock. I was organising, or not organising. I was assisting with the organisation of a, a primary school's event with a thousand kids out there. And within about an hour, I was getting wet to the skin and <laughs> I had to stand out there for forever. As soon as I got home, boom! I was straight on the immune boost because I was rather concerned that I was going to come down with a come down with something. So there you go. If the mountain snail says it's working. Trust the mountain snail, and if you you're at that time of the season where you're maybe just getting ready for your yeah you know maybe the london marathon i think that's coming up it's in april or, week it? or two it yeah. yeah and then uh, or, or another marathon <coughs> boston's coming up in a couple of weeks but it's that time of the year for all of us where the seasons are changing and you might get that session where you're out there and you're getting soaked and what have you The immune boost is a great way to go and uh also extreme endurance for helping your racing and your recovery so check it out xendurance.com and remember the promo code imtalk20
0: to get you 20% off and on that front we're going to put the mountain snow on right now talking about the breaker that happened in Wanaka a couple of weeks ago so here is the mountain snow.
1: Okay we have one of the most famous imtalk listeners on uh, on the line today and the reason we've got him on is we had the inaugural. Bricker last weekend which is the and he's just sent me an email saying he wants some more extreme endurance
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and uh he was down doing the Bricker, which is the swim run race um it was the first time they've had it in new zealand it's held down in wanaka and he took his preparation reasonably seriously and uh and we just want to hear what these events are all about so mr mountain snail and he even had the team named mountain the mountain snails the uh, mountain snails uh, john hancock welcome back to the show
3: Oh, cheers, guys. Nice to be back on.
0: Now, you were you, in fact, the first person... You to... sounded... Wait a second. That's the most Kiwi he's ever sounded. <laughs> cheers, guys. Be <laughs> <laughs> good to have you um, <laughs> Do you
1: know if you were the first person to sign up for this event? Because we were sitting in Kona and the uh, just before Ironman last year. John was over for the camp we did over there. And this event came out, and he goes, John, do you want to do this uh, swim run with me? I said... Um, I'll pass on that one. I'm not not too keen on running around in my wetsuit. you was but, like a kid at Christmas, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, you seem to be very onto it. So, do you know if you were the first person to enter?
3: No, we were the fifth fifth people to enter. We were team number five. So, uh, obviously, there's four four pairs of people who are even more enthusiastic than me. So, uh, it's
1: pretty good. <laughs> now, um, I, I th- if it's okay with you, I'd love to put your race report up on um, I Am talk.me. One of the things that I really enjoyed, um following your sort of build up to the race and also some guys in Christchurch, we had Andrew Abakan and uh, and John Allison and a few others. You took your, your preparation, I'm not, not seriously, but you actually went out there and trained specifically for this event, tried lots of different things and um, tested lots of different equipment. I mean, uh, you went through quite a process.
3: Yeah, no, I've really, really enjoyed it, actually. Um, I mean, I I guess just for the listener's sort of benefit, um, I'm I'm really not that good compared to all the super elite guys that you get on the show all the time. But I did have a four-year run where I got very serious about Ironman to try and see how good I could get. So I've done that whole um, sort of serious preparation and training yourself to be able to tolerate the the volumes and everything so from a sort of physical and mental point of view I was pretty comfortable with what you needed to do to get ready to do a race like this I mean it's quite a long way it's uh it, it um, I, the race we did in Wanaka, it it's 22 stages of alternating swimming and running the total running was 42k off-road and the total swimming was 8k in open water so you know it's not something that you can just sort of turn up and do anyhow but it did strike me that the the physical side of it really wasn't the thing that was going to be difficult to prepare for it's all this weird equipment and um very unusual technique that you need to be able to execute on the day so um uh, i mean it might be worth just sort of recapping on this sort of amazing paraphernalia that you go racing in if, if if you remember last year you had uh jonas colting the swedish uh former pro on on the show which got me so excited listening to you know what he was up to in, in stockholm um So the, you know, the basic proposition here is that rather than a triathlon where you've got these um, sort of very well-organized transitions where you change from one discipline to another, in swim run, it's maybe a bit more like adventure racing. So the, the project is just go around a course, which involves traversing bits of water and bits of land as fast as you possibly can do. So you do everything wearing your wetsuit and your shoes and you don't stop. So as soon as you get out of the water, you start running immediately. And um, one of the big problems, of course, is that when you're swimming with your shoes on, the amount of drag is absolutely Mm -hmm. enormous. Um, So uh, there are all sorts of wacky wheezes that people have come up with to try and reduce the amount of drag and and minimise the impact it has uh, to, to slow you down. So the, the most obvious thing is um, uh, most people swim with a pool boy, um, you know, just the usual sort of floaty pool boy thing that you use in the pool. Um, but they, they attach it to their leg uh, using elastic or something like that. So when you're running along, it's sort of on the outside of your leg. And then as you approach the water, you whip it around in between your legs and dive in. And this keeps your, your feet up. Um, so we had loads of fun trying trying out different ways of attaching it to your legs so that it doesn't bounce around too much when you're, um, uh, when you're running. Um, and then um, actually uh, in, in my race report, I mentioned that uh, in this race in Wanaka, we, we had this star-studded field. I mean, both the sprint race and the long race were pretty much a who's who of elite New Zealand uh, triathletes having a bit of a go. So the um, the sprint race was actually won by a, um, a team of Braden Curry, um, uh, you know, who, who you, you've had on the show, haven't you? Yep. Sort of a lo- 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 local super elite triathlete. And Courtney Atkinson, who's an Australian. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I, yes, that's, that, that's right. So both of them absolutely top of their game. Well, their solution, rather than putting a pool boy between their legs, they actually had, um, I think these were like pool noodles, you know, those little floaty yeah. things that kids use when they're learning to swim. Chopped in half and shoved down their socks, <laughs> so it looked like they were wearing. It looked like they were wearing sort of soccer, um, you know, shin guards or something like that. <laughs> and they were saying that that worked really well actually because it lifted their lifted their feet up. Um, so, uh, but there's all sorts of different ways of doing this. So the 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 the, the pool boy thing is is a very obvious thing. The the, the second thing that um, is fairly orthodox, I'd say, in in swim running is. To swim with paddles, um, again, just because the amount of drag that you're trying to uh, compensate for with your um, with your shoes on is is huge, so you really just want to try and put as much power down as possible. The trouble, of course, is swimming 8k with paddles and quite a lot of resistance is pretty tough on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. So you do need to be you need you need to be ready for this. Um, and there's a sort of range of approaches. You know, some people use those little fingertip paddles, which are very very small, just trying not to overload their shoulders, and then you. Um, I met this guy uh, over Christmas who, uh, who's, who does this in Europe and he was saying they have these um, Swedish army guys who are very very good at swim run and he said you know, <laughs> these guys are like seven feet tall and their paddles are the size of dinner plates, you mm-hmm. know, they're just sort of monstering their way through the water. But again you wouldn't want to do something like that without practicing it beforehand because you could blow your shoulders out pretty, um, pretty easily. Um, but I suppose the third bit of gear, which really is extremely unusual, which we had enormous fun getting ready for, is the, is the tether. So, again, um, uh, it, it's not something that you do in triathlon because obviously triathlon is an individual sport. But in swim run, um, the format is uh, teams of two. And um, my understanding is the reason you do it in pairs is just for safety. Um, Although there's marshals and the safety boats and stuff out on the course, you do get to some very remote places and you really need to be able to look after yourselves. And the thing about the tether um, is it's a way of um, maximising the speed with which your team gets over the finish line. So it's very, very common for one of the two team members to be quite a bit stronger than the other one at each discipline. Um, and so uh, by tethering yourselves together, you're effectively speeding up the slower person, slowing down the faster person, but equally evening up the effort that both people are putting in. Um, and quite an interesting thing that hadn't really occurred to me, but some of the Northern European races, the, the water's extremely cold. And obviously, if you've got a swimmer who's much better than the other swimmer and um, they're just sort of, you know, sort of backstroking, <laughs> sort of trying to wait for the, the other guy to catch up, the risk is that they're going to get extremely cold because they're not really working all that hard. Whereas if they're tethered to the weaker swimmer and they're pulling them along, then they'll stay nice and warm. So um, uh, when... Um, uh um oh hang on a bit guys i'm just on a call stuart
2: um
3: <laughs> the joys of trying to do this uh, uh, in in the office yeah so um so, so that's a way of sort of e- evening up the um uh, the uh the effort between the two of them but this was just hilarious fun trying to get ready um in in wellington uh you know so where i live in new zealand we live in 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 the capital city and we've got Lovely beaches and harbours and stuff like that. So there's quite a lot of triathlon activity sort of going on through the summer. And I think most of the uh, local residents are pretty used to seeing people swimming around in wetsuits and stuff like that. Um, so we were we were practicing tethering um, and getting used to having a bungee cord between pairs and what it's like swimming on someone else's feet with the bungee cord and it's quite difficult because you sort of you tend to catch the bungee cord with your paddles so again it's something that you need to practice so that that looked weird enough and then we tried transitioning from the swim to the run. Um, So again, you come out of the water and you're tied together with a big piece of uh, bungee cord running along Mm -hmm. the waterfront. And, you know, it looks pretty weird running along in your wetsuit in the middle of town. Um, But because this race in Wanaka was in the hills, I thought, well, we really do need to simulate this in realistic terrain. So I forced the team to go up onto the hills. So if you haven't been to Wellington, Mount Victoria is this lovely wooded area just above town with an extremely expensive um, uh, residential area um, around it. So we were running along early on a Saturday morning with people sort of wandering out of their front doors to collect the paper from the front doors. So as we ran past in our wetsuits with umbilical cords between us. It's pre- pretty pretty difficult to explain to people what, what on earth we were, we were doing. Um
1: well, what but about I, your I, team your team? How did you go about selecting your team? Um you initially select tried to select me and I deselected myself from <laughs> and, and I didn't get asked. So with and, the love. and you know, you're a you're a really good swimmer. Um and so how how was the dynamic with you and your teammate?
3: Yeah, it was it was great actually. I mean there's a um the, there's a bunch of forty something year old men in Wellington who uh you know, we're all sort of uh, very similar standard swimmers um, and varying standards of uh, <laughs> of runner. So um, uh, yes, yeah, so I asked one of my mates um, uh, if uh, if he was able to to do it, and he um, uh, <laughs> he was very enthusiastic, and then. Uh, um discovered that he wasn't really running much more than about 10k so he politely declined after about (laughs) after about two weeks Mm -hmm. um and then the guy the guy I did it with is another one of the local um guys who's he's he's very very tall he's about sort of six feet six and uh very sort of elegant natural runner um so uh I thought strategically this was probably quite a good idea because I could get him just to tow me around the run (laughs) and um as, as it turned out, this was a very good strategy, actually, because um, uh, after about um, 25K of running, I was starting to get pretty uncomfortable. Um, and with the bungee, it's absolutely terrific, actually. You can, I, I think because the bungee is elasticated, it, it's not that the person in front's taking all of the weight. They're just, it's a bit like, you know, somebody's put their hand in the small of your back and they're just giving you a little bit of a help along. And so it's sort of, you know, Jesus spirits up and, you uh, um, it just makes it that bit easier to sort of f- focus on running properly and not feel completely knackered.
1: How did you attach the bungee between the two of
2: you?
3: Uh, so we, we had a lot of experimentation with this. And uh, attempt number one was with normal triathlon um, num- number belts. So that didn't work because uh, yeah. they're, elasti- they're elasticated. So what they do when you're being towed in the swim is they work their way up to your armpits. So you yeah. you wind up sort of um, almost like you're sort of dangling, uh, you know, sort of uh, out of a window by your armpits or something. But um, we used um, non-stretchy... Um, waist belts. Um, I actually salvaged a couple from those, you know, those um, high visibility uh, fl- floaty things that people use when they're doing open water swimming I mean, that you can sort of put, yeah. put your dry clothes inside. Yeah. So the waist belts from those, they're not elasticated, they're just nylon.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And, and that worked very, very well. But again, we discovered that the problem is that the carabiner that we attach the bungee to, it moves around and you really need to hold it in position because ideally it needs to be under the tummy button of the person who's um, uh, who's being pulled and in the small of the back of the person who's in front. Whereas if the carabine is free to move, they sort of work their way around to the side and then you get all tangled up in the thing moving off a line and oh, So it really is a great example of you, know, you, you need to simulate racing with exactly the equipment that you're gonna be racing with in exactly the conditions that you're gonna be racing with. Or something will go wrong because there's just so many more bits and pieces that you need to to get used to using, which was enormous fun if I'm honest.
0: <laughs> Bro, I just looked at the photos of Braden Curry and Courtney on on the Red Bull yeah. website. They weren't attached. So did the sprint not have to be attached?
3: We well, didn't have to be attached. It's just a, a, oh, a choice, okay. thing. Oh, a choice yeah. thing. Oh, okay. It's a choice thing. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I think. Microphone. I mean, what it's what it's really revealed is just what a pair of amateurs the them are. I mean, you can see it. <laughs> see it in their
2: weak, time. Weak, yeah. <laughs> so what all about
0: the race. So, so you know, all the prep, all the gear. What was the race like? It,
3: it was. It was really awesome. I mean, for for me, it was very awesome because uh, you know, Wanaka is where we go on holiday every summer, like you, Bev, yeah. Actually, um, and so, at, at, uh, at, and we went past Pasco Dubai. I'll talk about that in in a minute. So, um, uh, so you know, I know the area really, really well. It's it's a pretty special part of the world and you it's know almost the guys, ideal for
0: this race isn't it
3: i ab- absolutely agree with you and you know the guys who listen to the show they've probably got the message by now you know it's got challenge wanaka which is an extraordinary race it's unbelievably scenic um and challenge wanaka was my first iron distance triathlon um so uh you know that you know that was a pretty sort of special memory So you you um, you do like it's sort of like a giant sort of anti-clockwise loop around the lower third of Lake Wanaka. So so Lake Wanaka is absolutely enormous. It's about 42 kilometres from one end to another. Um, So um, you know, I mean, doing doing a loop around the edge of it would be would be ridiculously big. Um, and you start at the mouth of the the river Clutha, which is one of New Zealand's great rivers and has a very interesting sequence of hydro dams on it, which we can talk about if anyone's interested. Um, so the, the, the Clutha outlet track is this very pretty um, wooded section that's actually on the Challenge Wanaka run course. And in the Challenge Wanaka run course, you're coming in the opposite direction. And it's very, very pretty. But... What was lovely for me, even though I know the area quite well, is I've never been there in the autumn. And uh, all the trees there are deciduous. They must have been brought in by the settlers. And um, so it was this amazing colourscape of sort of uh, golds and russets and yellows and oranges. Really, really pretty to get started. Um, So we ran up the outlet track of the Palooza for, I don't know, three or four K or something like that. And then we had to swim over the mouth of the river. Now, over the summer when I was on holiday, I actually tried doing this on my own and the river was really, really fast moving. So I had this rather uncomfortable experience of being swept madly downstream while trying to ferry glide across to the other side. And the river's quite shallow there, so you can see the bottom of the river sort of whizzing away as if you're totally out of control Um, It wasn't quite so bad when we did it the other day. I think the lake's quite a bit lower now um, and, uh, you know, the water's not moving so quickly. But that was quite a bracing start to the day. Um, And then we ran our way over to another big uh, bay called um, Dublin Bay, um, which is during the summer. This is um, one of the two big water skiing bays. And uh, so I went there during the summer and I wasn't even able to get in the water. There was so much stuff going on there. But, you know, obviously there was nothing much going on. Uh, The the lake level was very, very low. So we actually had to wade our way out um, for about 100 meters before we could even start swimming, which is, you know, pretty hard work. Um, And then from there we went north um, uh, up um, the side of a um, sort of amazing uh, sort of mountainous peninsula and from that point northwards, that's all private land. So I've never been to any of these places before. And so for me, this was wonderful. You know, you're sort of completely sort of independently powered with your paddles and your pool boy and your wetsuit and your shoes. And we're going to these incredible places. So we, we ran up the side of this inlet. And then we had our first sort of classic um, swim run leg where we swam out to an island ran around the head of the island and then dived in and swam from the island to the other side of the inlet um and then up onto a very very pretty balcony um track with amazing views Um, and again views that i've never seen before because you can't really get to this place without a boat or a pair of shoes and a wetsuit so you know wonderful stuff um and then Finishing that run leg, uh, uh, we got to sort of really the crux swim leg of the entire course. So this is where we had to swim across the middle of Lake Wanaka, and as well as being very very long, Lake Wanaka is very deep. So the centre of the lake is actually quite cold. Um, you know, so these, these are big glacial um, glacial lakes. So the the straight line distance for this leg is two and a half kilometres. Um, When I did it with my son over um, Christmas, we actually did three and a half kilometres because I couldn't work out how to start and finish with easy access to the land. Um, And by the end of it, poor old Callum, who is skin and bone, unlike me, was so cold, it took him about two and a half hours to thaw out after the the race. So, I I mean, for for people who are sort of interested in swim run, this was the one bit where we tried to be a little bit strategic about the race. So I'd spoken to a few sort of uh, european guys who've done a lot of this sort of racing about whether people ever take their shoes off because as i was saying earlier on the shoes create an enormous amount of drag so if you can get rid of them that really would speed you up and uh uh this, this elite guy I met in, uh, in January said that generally they'd never take their shoes off for any legs that are shorter than about two kilometres. But if this was a two and a half kilometre straight line route, then actually that might be quite a good idea. So again, we practice taking our shoes off and shoving them down the back of our wetsuits and then swimming sort of like the hunchback of Notre Dame with these sort of <laughs> shoes sticking out of our backs. And and it was very, very interesting tactically. So we got to the swim start of the long swim with, uh, I think it was with three other pairs. And obviously they all just jumped in and sort of sped off into the distance. And I was thinking, oh, crumbs, I think we might have slightly misjudged this because it did take a while, you know, faffing around with your shoes and stuff. But we caught people up probably within about five minutes. um, And this leg was about an hour. So, um, you know, we put a lot of time into people over that leg. Um, Obviously, you know, we were trying quite hard as well. Um, so did, did that leg without getting too frozen. And then, um, the, the run leg after the swim leg is also very long. So th- this is advertised as being a 14 K run leg. I think it was probably a bit more like 16 K to be honest. So that, um, uh, that was quite interesting. You start the leg very, very cold because you've been in the water for that long, um but at this point the sun came out so you finish the leg very very hot <laughs> so you're sort of stripping off left right and center and trying to to lose um trying to lose as many layers as possible um and uh, and then this this leg is the leg that finished at the mouth of Glendew bay which is where bevan you go on your summer holidays right. every year yep. um so uh I, I rather like the design of the course here because. Um, the road that goes past the Glendoo Bay campsite where your Glendoo crew have their summer holidays, it's it's about 10 kilometers um, to do the perimeter of the bay. Whereas what we did was to go again through some private land that I've never been on before and then just swim across the mouth of the bay. Mm. So it saves about seven kilometers on the, you know, the sort of long distance road route, which has a sort of elegant swim run attraction to it. Um, And then from there, we picked up the Millennium Track, which anyone who's been on holiday in Wanaka will know quite well. This is a very popular walking track that goes um, west from the center of town for about 10K to Glendoo Bay. So, again, you know, it's a... It sort of felt a bit like, you know, you're sort of home when you get there, but we still had 10k to go and we still actually had about um, three and a half, 4k swimming to do at that point. So, um, you know, uh, and the Millennium Traps very, very hilly, Uh, not sustainably, but there's some very short little kickers which um are fine when you're feeling fresh but they're pretty hard work when you're absolutely knackered and you're wearing a wetsuit and you've just been for a swim so we were starting to really struggle with our legs turning to jelly at this point so uh, we, we did pretty well to sort of stay with the program um but uh yeah so the lovely swim across a little bay that i've never been swimming in before which is about halfway around the millennium track and then the final two sections of the uh of the course you swim out to a an island ruby island which is uh you know quite a well-known swimming destination um uh with a sort of some sort of picnic area and stuff on it that uh, um, I've only ever been to once before and then uh, sort of finishing just out on the outskirts of town yeah so it's a pretty big day pretty big day all up but um but absolutely fantastic and so much more sort of sociable I'd say than uh, triathlon I mean don't get me wrong I like triathlon and everything but this was a completely different sort of feeling really in terms of the uh Um, you know, the communication between the the races, you know, it was very, very friendly running along with other people and we weren't killing ourselves by any means because I think we were all slightly... Anxious about whether we were actually <laughs> actually going to finish the thing. So um, one of
1: the questions that you know a lot of people will have is um, so this race is timed in New Zealand at the very end of our summer. So I believe the day was quite nice, but probably not crazy hot. And as you mentioned, the lake was um, it can be pretty cold. So how big of a deal was it in terms of getting too hot um, when you're running in your wetsuit? And conversely, you know when you're swim um, when you're swimming in the lake, you know how 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 much you're worry was the the cold and the swim
3: yeah i mean i was i was pleasantly surprised talking to the race organizer he said that they usually run these races in the early autumn in europe because the lakes are generally at their warmest at that time and this does also seem to be true in Monaco. That it seems a bit counterintuitive when the air temperature is a little bit lower than it is in the middle of summer now. But of course, it's had the whole of the summer to warm up a little bit. Mm. And I'm I'm fairly sure that the middle of the lake was warmer when we did it this weekend than it was back in January when we did it last time. Um, but the, the again, the gear is, is 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 the answer to the sort of temperature regulation thing. So w- w- I, I did find that when we were on the long run and the sun came out, you're running in proper sunlight it gets very very hot very quickly and this this is where um the swim run specific equipment is really great so um (laughs) when i when i started doing all of this i just modified an old triathlon wetsuit um so i chopped it off above the knees but the trouble about triathlon wetsuits is the zips at the back and it's actually quite difficult when you're on your own to unzip it pull it down and then put it back on again and zip it up particularly if you have a helix where the zips Upside down. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: um,
3: <laughs> so try, trying to do that on your own is non non trivial. Yeah. So um, I, I bought myself a swim run specific wetsuit. There are amazingly, there's you know multiple brands of these things. So one of the things about the swim run wetsuits is that the zips at the front, so you can unzip it and just pull it down over your shoulders while you're running along. Um, But the other thing which I I found incredibly good, actually, is that the swim-run wetsuits that we bought, they have um, uh, detachable sleeves. So you can wear them just as a a short sleeve wetsuit. But if it's a little bit colder, you have these detachable sleeves that are, you know, just like arm warmers, really, but made out of neoprene. And uh, if you're getting a little bit too hot, you can just roll them down to your wrists and it, it has quite a good cooling effect but you don't actually have to take the whole thing off. And then when you get to the swim entrance, you can fall back up again and get yourself organized while you're still running. Um, so actually that sense of, uh, you know, the, the sort of adjusting <laughs> adjusting what you're wearing to suit the conditions, again, there was something rather rather freeing about all of that. You know, you don't need loads of gear. You just need to be able to adjust what you're actually wearing to suit the conditions. Um, and, uh, you know, I didn't need to wear multiple swim caps. We just wore one normal swim cap. Mm. Um
1: what about yeah. Um, yeah, you know um, in terms of you said you didn't smash it in terms of um, you know going crazy on the intensity as opposed to what you might do say in the you know in the, the last ten k of an Ironman you might dig as, as deep as you possibly can so um, what was the recovery like and also was chafing much of an issue for you and what about other people because that maybe didn't have the swim uh, you know the specific um, race suits yeah yeah.
3: So um, I, I think the fact that my legs were in pretty good shape the following day might be a sign that we weren't trying quite as hard as we could have been. Mm-hmm. And I, I think also I hadn't done enough really long running to get ready for this. Um, you know, I, I'd been doing sort of 20 to 30k runs, not 30 to 40k runs to get ready. So the last 10k I was pretty uncomfortable and obviously I wasn't really giving it the full banana. Yeah. Um, uh but um, I had my extreme endurance surging around my system. So that's obviously, yeah. that's obviously why, why I was in such amazing shape. Um, but, the, but the chafing was extraordinary, actually. I mean, obviously, because we'd simulated all of this, I knew everywhere that I was getting um, abrasion. So, uh, you know, there was quite, quite, a lot of, um, uh, quite a lot of glide and lube going on before the race. But I actually didn't have any problems with chafing anywhere, which is extraordinary, even my feet. So even running in wet socks for 42K, um, and you know, uh, even running in a, in a rubber wetsuit uh, for 42K, no chafing around the neck or anything. But again, it does speak to this need to simulate the course conditions in the same equipment that you're going to be wearing. And I, I suppose the other consideration is that this is fresh water. So mm. some of the other swim-run races, obviously, if they're in the sea, then you're swimming in salt water, mm. and my experience is that your neck rash tends to be much more aggressive in Sand salt water paper. than it is. Oh. Yeah, so that 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 might be an interesting project for next year, just to see whether I can tolerate <laughs> the same same distances without. Um, uh, you know without neck rub um but interestingly the, the the collar of the swim run wetsuits is quite a lot lower than my triathlon wetsuit i don't know if that's just the the brand or or whether this is a design principle um but one of my other mates from wellington who's got exactly the same wetsuit as me he nearly chopped his head off he had such bad um uh, <laughs> bad abrasion so um i think it's still possible to get uh, to to to, to get yourself into a little bit of trouble. <laughs>
1: okay, so you, you mentioned uh, next year. You know, my sort of feeling towards some of these events is um, maybe they are sort of the, the one and done events. You kind of go and do them, and you go, wicked, that was awesome, loved it, but it's not something that, you know, I want to do every year. It was a cool adventure. What I mean, you said you, you're thinking about next year. Did you get the feeling from other people that they were the same, or they were just going, that's cool, I've ticked that box and, and, uh, and I'll move back on to something else?
3: No, I think most of the people, I I think this event, um, it was pretty self-selecting. So it was the the first Scandinavian long-distance swim run event that's ever been held in New Zealand. Um, We've got quite a culture of sort of adventure racing, triathlon, multi-sporty people anyway. And the standard of everyone was really, really high. So I, I have a feeling that the people who were doing it, This time round are the sort of people who'd probably be pretty into it anyway. Mm. So the buzz at the finish line was very, very positive. People really enjoyed it and they wanted to do more of that sort of thing. Um, I mean, certainly I'd be really keen to do the Wanaka event again, but then the interesting question is whether we're going to start seeing more races of this format. Mm. So, I mean, incredibly, in Northern Europe and Sweden in particular, the number of races they have over the summer is absolutely staggering. I mean, pretty much from the end of May until sort of late August, early September, there's one big swim-run event every single weekend in Sweden, mm. um, and some of these races are enormous. They have like 2,000 competitors, so you know that's that's bigger than Ironman New Zealand. Mm. Um, so i mean i'm not saying it's going to get to that scale in new zealand but certainly there's a few more races starting to turn up in australia um quite excitingly there's a race at rottnest island this weekend coming um so for our european listeners rottnest island is um it's just off the western coast of western australia near perth and there's a very famous long distance swim that goes from there but it's also where the great white sharks breed so that would be quite a Quite a brave place to do a swim run event, I'd say. The um,
0: Huff, Hufffield died. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but because um, um, uh, I'm um, into delivering for Ironman Talk, not called Ironman Talk anymore, IM Talk.
2: Yeah. Um, you can do your press uh, so after the show. I,
3: I will do my no, press ups after the show. For, mate, so, so you 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 got a world exclusive when you announced the. Um, uh a legacy program for kona and that was clearly one high point in uh, your broadcasting career but I, I thought i could actually trump that today oh, so here um,
0: here's the uh, world
3: exclusive so we so we have a world exclusive which is that um the race organizer of um uh Brekka wanaka he's he's confirmed that he'll run the, the wanaka event next year so that'll be next march Um, But the other thing is that he announced for um, our information and no one else's information that there's going to be a new event in New Zealand next April. um, And this will be in the North Island. And uh, so quite a lot of us knew this was coming and we were all speculating about where it would be. Um, There's quite a lot of places in the North Island that would be quite suitable venues. Um, But the absolutely iconic place would be to do it in somewhere with an archipelago just like the island chain south of Stockholm, where the whole swim run thing started. And in New Zealand, there's a very famous area called the Bay of Islands, which is in the very far north of the North Island. So it's um, subtropical. It's much warmer than it is um, in the rest of the country. The water's quite warm. Um, and so this, this race will be um, uh, in, in the Bay of Islands next April, and we'll hop from one island to the next. So the distances will be quite different. It'll be about 8K of open water swimming in the sea. Um, The run will be about 25K, but it's very, very hilly. The islands are quite steep. So it will be a completely different experience. And so to answer your question, sort of in a rather long-winded way, John, I think quite a lot of the people who did the Wanaka race this time, even if they don't want to do the Wanaka race this time, next year, they may well want to go and try it in a different setting and do the Bay of Islands race next year. Anyway, that's a worldwide exclusive oh, that hasn't actually much. been announced. Then, uh, but I, had... I
0: imagine our numbers are going to quadruple today. Yes, yep. that's right. That's
3: right. Um, but I, but I, I mean, I can't recommend the Wanaka race too highly. It's um, as the listeners know, you know, all of us love it to bits. It's just the most extraordinary part of the world, and um, I mean, I found it quite staggering actually i I know this part of the world extremely well you know we go on sort of mini adventures when we're down there on holiday and we went to loads of places on this course that i've never been to before and isn't that a wonderful thing to have a little bit of adventure as part of your your routine multi-sport life
1: (laughs) well mountain snail you're an institution of the show you've uh, given us a world exclusive so you've got to keep trumping that and um, we'll look forward to hearing about further further snail adventures down the track Snail trail, oh, it, the <laughs> snail trail. We're on <laughs> the, the snail trail. Snail trail. trail. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you, you can now go and tell Stuart that you're off the phone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cheers, guys. On, your
0: time thanks for your time.
3: Cheers.
0: Yeah. Is it something you want to do, John? I like it. I think it's oh, cool. Yeah, idea. I wouldn't. Yeah, I would I'm like amazed you're not More fascinated by it.
1: No, it's um a bit like what you said before. I, I'd rather try to go fast and do something rather than go on an adventure. So it would be something that I'd. It'd be cool to do like as a part of an epic camp go yep. and do like a big breaker adventure um but in terms of actually going out there and specifically preparing for uh like this race took them uh the fastest guys mike phillips and um i think it was nick berry took it out they were, they were like an hour in front of everybody but most of the guys were between sort of seven hours to nine hours i don't know if i'm that motivated to do that if we had one that was locally you know two to three hours yep. they, they did have a sprint race down there that would be more appealing to me.
4: Okay. Mm. Uh,
0: I, 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 it does excite but me.
1: But I, I do like it. I, I think it's a cool, cool thing to do.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. What are you looking for? Oh, my phone's ringing. So I'm not you? <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> Sponsor. com. Yes, tell me about it, John. So, let me just click on my link that I had uh, looking here. Oh, that's right. This weekend we have Hits Ocala coming up this weekend. Yeah, where's that? That is in the States. Oh, so yeah. I thought... <laughs>
2: Oh, that's you, all
0: in the states, aren't they? That's true, <laughs> that's true. <laughs>
1: uh, it must be somewhere, in, it's in Florida, there you, yeah, so, there you go. So, cool thing with athletics, you can go into there, you can find the event, as I've done here, and with HITS, you know, it's a whole festival of, of events um, where they've got the, the full try, the half, the Olympic, the uh, sort of open try, which is a thousand three-mile bike uh, and one-mile run and then they have a sprint distance race. So I thought, we'll go in there and see, how, A, how many people did the, uh, did the full last year. It wasn't a great deal. There was uh, not a huge amount. There was only only 10 people did the full. But the cool thing was, and you can go in, the guy that took it out, Arnold Chevalier from uh, Texas, age 42, took it out in 901.57. Very impressive. Yeah, it's good. And, uh, and then you can click on his little profile. and You can go out and find out all the different things that Arnold has been out of the day. I think if you're named Arnold, you must be pretty quick at this 'cause we've got old Arnold Silikov. He's yeah. uh, pretty speedy. If you
0: want a fast kid, name Arnold. Yep.
1: So he's gone that, that is his fastest Ironman time at nine oh one fifty seven. He's done a two fifty three marathon and a four hour thirty three half, but then you can you know you can just hone in on these people that are winning races. Check out their stuff on athlinks dot com. So uh if you want to find people,
0: find fast people, check it out. Well good old um Someone, where's it? Andrew Ward, you have got an email here, a bit behind on the podcast, but was standing waiting in line this morning and heard you mention my name on the sponsors for com about my 10-year gap between Ironman's event. You made my day, you legends. <laughs> He's done one previously in 2008 and in 12.35, so trying to knock an hour and a half off is a fairly big ask, but so far I'm confident and knowing that you guys will be out there as two is going to make the day pretty special. Nine years down the line and more time to train, but suffered a double pulmonary embolism in 2009. Yeah, nice. <clears throat> so we'll be there and we're competing stronger than ever and feeling great. I've got a great supportive wife and two grown up boys, so I can focus more on what I need to do. Hopefully, see you in rote and with a sub 10, maybe. So, Andrew, we just mentioned him on the show and he was like, absolutely loving it. So, that's another reason to be on these things because we may see your name, like yes. Andrew Ward.
1: And if you have a big break in your career, Come back, and some of those races might not be around
0: anymore. Exactly. Okay, John, we've got another interview coming up, and who we got here?
1: We have got Chad from the States, Chad Holberbaum, and he is going to be talking to us about what it's like to be uh, racing in the pro division despite having a full time job, a family, and loads of other things going on, and also the run across Haiti. Okay, here we go. Okay, guys. Um, very happy this week, where our first interviewee is Chad Halderbaum from the States, and he's uh, a man—a man who's got a lot on his plate. He's done a lot around, on his plate. He's done around thirty Ironmans. Uh, he's got—he's uh, currently racing with his pro card since 2013. He's got a full-time job, so uh, and he's got a family, and he's got a coaching business, and he's been you know, reasonably recently off on a fairly epic ad- adventure around Haiti, which. we've we're going to talk about. So welcome along for show, Chad.
4: Hey, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be a part of it and uh, looking forward to talking to you guys.
1: Cool. So what's, um, people always ask, you know, what's your pre-triathlon background? You know, you obviously got to a really high level going from age group to to pros. So what's sort of your your deal in terms of your sporting background before you got into triathlon in, uh, in the early 2000s?
4: Yeah, sure. Well, first off, it was never really my intention to, you know, the sport as competitively as it uh as as i've gotten to so it just kind of materialized and I just kind of kept chipping away at it so uh born and raised in pittsburgh a uh, huge pittsburgh sports fan steelers. Uh, grew up go steelers go penguins <laughs> uh you know grew up in the uh mario lemieux era late 80s early 90s so uh actually i grew up with a really big focus on uh playing uh playing ice hockey and got pushed into to running by my uh by my parents and, uh, as a way to essentially stay in shape for hockey and, uh, uh, just fell in love with, fell in love with the sport right from the get go. And so, so I come from a, you know, a high school running background, but I never ran in college. Uh, actually I took a, took a break through college from, uh, sports in general. Didn't, didn't really do anything, uh, competitively. And then, yeah, kind of, kind of after, after I, uh, finished university, uh, You know, just had a void in my life and wanted to get back into some sort of sports dynamic, and that's where I, uh, you know, fell in love with running again for about uh, a year early two thousands, and then uh, joined a local running club and uh, got introduced to the sport of triathlon. And really, you know, it's all it all it really took was just a taste of triathlon. I did my first try in two thousand three, and you know, fell in love ever ever since. And did my first Ironman in 2004 and you know, right out of the gate and, and loved, loved long course triathlon. So, uh, just, uh, you know, just kept chipping away at it and went from, uh, you know, just, just like everyone's first time goal is to just crossing that finish line to getting the, uh, you know, age group Kona spark in my eyes. And, you know, just, uh, really worked hard day in and day out to, to try to qualify for Kona. And once I kind of achieved that goal, um, yeah, that's when I sort of started looking towards the uh, the pro ranks and saying, "Hey, wait a second! I actually think I kind of have a shot at uh, you know competing at the the pointing end of the sport."
0: When you're an age grouper, did you have any significant age group results that you you know that you kind of look back on and go, "Yep, there was definitely something I'm really proud of."
4: Um, yeah, sure. So uh, I, I'd say that my biggest age group accomplishment was at Ironman Cortoline back in 2012, and that was actually the race that. Uh, uh, allowed me to qualify to get my pro license and uh i finished second amateur overall but actually 12th overall out of the uh, including the pro field at the time and i believe i was second amateur behind uh, tom evans so i don't anyone <laughs> that's been in the sport uh, knows that uh, you know uh, tom actually went i think immediately from the pro ranks back to racing age groupers so i kind of look at it as hey yeah uh, you know <laughs> that doesn't really count <laughs> but uh yeah, so that was, uh, that was probably the, the biggest turning point, I think, in my career, uh, amateur career uh, from a result-wise. But no, I mean, uh, you know, here in the States, I was probably pretty consistently, um, you know, always in, the, always in the hunt for the overall amateur win at a lot of the you know, 70.3 or half Ironman and full Ironman type races.
1: Any, any Kona glory for you? Kona's always been tough. <laughs> so,
4: uh, so I live in Pittsburgh, which is in the northeast corridor of the States, and it gets starts getting cold here, you know, maybe late August, early September. Uh, so I, I raced Kona in 2007, uh, 10, 12, and uh, 10, 11, and 12. So four times in Kona. Uh, I never really had the results, I think, that I'm capable of. I think the fastest I went there was maybe like an – 916, 917, which, you know, it's respectable, but, Mm -hmm. uh, definitely not, uh, you know, pro pro level and, uh, you know, excuses aside, it's just really tough, uh, without getting, being able to get out to the island and acclimate to the heat. Uh, you know, so that was kind of whenever I went my own path with choosing, well, do I get my pro card and kind of put the Kona thing on hold or do I stay age grouper and try to, try to potentially podium at Kona? Uh, but, uh, you know, ultimately, my my decision to race pro is kind of based on the the fact that Kona's going to always be there, and you know, I'm I'm in triathlon for the long haul. So, you know, 20 years from now, I can still you know try to compete for that age group win in Kona if that's my goal at the time. So that was that was kind of my thought to, thought process to you know what uh, while I can jump into the pro ranks and give it my best and compete with the best to to try to hopefully make myself better.
1: You kind of answered a little bit there. My, my next question was going to be why why would you why race as a pro? You know, um, you're obviously very accomplished. You know, you can finish, um, you know. Top 10. top 10 in pro, in pro races. Um, we know that once you get past about, you know, third, fourth or fifth is the money's pretty negligible. Um, so, you know, what's the motivation for you to race as a pro as opposed to going out there and consistently being, you know, the top age grouper at a race or either winning your age group and, and potentially being um, the fastest age grouper overall? So, yeah, what's the, what's the reason for going pro?
4: I think it just comes back to around a personal drive, and I, I felt that, uh, you know, I, I got into triathlon for the love of the sport. It was for me. It was never about the money, and even to this day, you know, that's why I still have a full time job. It's not about the money. It's about you know competing uh, and getting as fast as I can get, and and I I just knowing what i know now i think it was the right decision because in the pro field you definitely have just 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 being part of the different race you know and the uh, tactics and the 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 push where you're constantly on you know on the gas from start to finish it's literally taken me from that 915 kona result to you know competing like you said top 10 and and going in that 830, 840 range and keep chipping away at it, and I, I really don't think I would have ever gotten to where I was or where I am in the sport uh, without making that leap. So, uh, yeah. So for me, it was just it's just a, a personal drive to 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 kind of just uh, you know be the best I can be, and uh, and, and no regrets too, right? I I mean. No one in life wants to, you know, get old and and look back on your your youth and say, well, what if I would have done it? So, so I think that for me, that was a lot of it too, is that that what if scenario? What if I decided not to take my pro card? Would I regret it? Uh, you know, ten to twenty years from now.
0: We all know that most age group athletes, you know, like in some ways, the full time pro has an easier life in that they can just train. And have time for other things in life, but you know you're a pro who has a job. You've got a child. Um, you know there's a lot of things happening in your life. What are the keys to success that you can maybe give to our age group athletes around how to manage that in a way that is healthy?
4: Well, uh, I, th- I think number one, it takes you. You really have to have a really good support system at home. So I, I have a amazing, amazing wife that that really believes in, in me and, and allows, uh, allows me to put in the time and dedication that takes uh, week in and week out to, to compete at this level. Uh, so I think that's number one, you know, just making sure that you have that support system around you, family, friends. Um, and, and number two, I, I think, uh, I, I do have a, my day job is flexible, so I do work at home uh, most of the time. So I, I'm not, you know, getting up in the morning and going into an office and sitting in a cubicle from nine to five. So I have a lot of flexibility uh, that way that, that, that really helps uh, my day-to-day uh, training. And I also recommend to, you know build into your schedule let's say you have an hour swim and an hour run you know treat that just like a business meeting you know during the day where you block out you know block out a period of time uh, and if you know that you have a 2 hour bike tonight you say no matter what I'm biking from 4pm to 6pm and that's what you do uh, you know so it's you just really have to be dedicated and focused and really good time management skills to to try to fit everything in
1: so it's as, as a, a pro or racing in the pro ranks um whilst working and all that are you are you actually generating much income from that or is it um more about racing as uh, racing as a pro and and as you said being the best you can be
4: Yeah so I I guess you can kind of break down the uh, the income right into two categories whether you're getting it from from sponsors or product sponsors or prize winnings uh, and I don't know, for me, you know, I've I've worked with some really good sponsors over the years, but that also comes at a cost, right? So, Mm. you know, a lot of people just think that based on your race results, you can go out and get a sponsor, and they're just going to write you a check every month. Well, uh, in reality, it doesn't work like that. (laughs) So it takes takes a lot of work so for me it was kind of like you know what again going back to why i'm in it i'm in it because i love it i want to do the best i can do with the sport um so you know i have a couple you know smaller type sponsors some local sponsors that that do help with some things so generate a little bit of income there but but, i mean nothing much and uh race winnings you know you place you place top 10 a couple times bringing home maybe a thousand bucks a race which is covering your travel (laughs) so -hmm. so yeah so i you know, and unless it's it's really hard. I don't know. It's uh, I'm sure that that uh, a lot of folks that listen to this podcast know that it's it's really hard to to generate a, a lot of income and actually make it. And uh, you know, and, and I got my pro card at the the age of uh, thirty three. So so I kind of late late into the game too, to where you know I have a mortgage you know house mortgage payment, and it's like, well, you know, can I really go back to living like I lived in college where you, you know, crouch, you know, couch surf on your buddy's, uh, mm-hmm. buddy's couch and live, live from a uh, day to day. So it's not really realistic for me to do that. Uh, yeah. So not a ton of, ton of revenue, but enough to, uh, to, to at least cover most of my travel expenses and and uh to kind of break even i guess you can say
0: but nice. on that you know I, I like your answer of i went pro because this is the only chance in my life i see myself being able to do this and that i can always go back to age group i thought it's not it's an answer we've never actually heard before but um what's it like when you do get down to the eight and a half hour mark uh,
4: what's it like i mean it, it's 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 awesome, but, uh, you know, I'm a, definitely a type A type guy where, you know, no matter how fast I end up going, it's, you know, you always look for those little uh, improvements and it's like, man, I probably could have gone a little bit faster. So that's kind of like in my head, you know, I, uh, you know, whenever I took my pro card, you know, I, I had big ambitions. I'm like, all right, you know, my goal, my five-year goal is to to win an Ironman. And then, then obviously WTC made a bunch of changes in the pro pro races and, you know cut out uh most of the the north america type races uh and and limited it you know the race so so that kind of dream went up <laughs> not out the window mm. but uh you know it was uh definitely uh it i had to recalibrate a little bit and um yeah no for me for me getting down to 8:30, it was it was awesome but uh I, I i'm not satisfied i'm i'm not uh i'm, I'm not done i'm not complacent uh with that 8:30. In fact, you know, uh, you know, this year, last year's season was all about consistently getting uh, top ten finishes at the Ironman distance, and this year, you know, I don't see any reason why I can't, you know, get to top five and, you know, consistently get top five, and then, then who knows, you know, I just keep mm-hmm. chipping away at it. And even though that I am 37 and time's probably not my uh, best friend right now, but <laughs> you'll have that.
1: So one of the reasons for getting you on the show, John Duda sent me across an email and said, uh, hey, this guy Chad, he's uh, racing in the pro ranks, and you live near John, and he's, he's uh, done this bit of a crazy adventure. So um, it was called the, the Run Across Haiti. Um, can you maybe just tell us a bit about, uh, about this run, and, you know, sort of what it is in, in terms of breaking the course profile down, just a bit of an overview on, on what the event's all about?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the Run Across Hades, uh, it was a 230 mile running event that staged over a period of eight days, which consisted of uh, f- uh, five days of running, one off day, and then two days of running. And it was from the north coast of uh, Cap-Haitian in Haiti to the uh, southern coast, uh, which is uh, to a small town called Jacmel right on the coast, and uh, a, it was a charity run organized by uh, a local Pittsburgh-based charity called Team Tassie, and uh, their, the, their uh, big mission is to help families one by one in Haiti out of poverty uh, through placing them into dignified jobs. Um, so I I got linked up uh, with the group primarily because they are based in in Pittsburgh and uh, I had a really good training partner Ironman training partner that introduced me to the run and uh, usually in the winter time I always always kind of like to throw in uh, uh, a non Ironman or non triathlon endurance type event and it just seemed like the the perfect opportunity at the time to go have some fun and try out an ultra marathon so in the back of my head i do see myself you know branching out into like whether you know it whether it's leadville 100 mile trail run or you know something something like that once once my ironman uh, uh years have passed and yeah it just just sounded like a really cool opportunity to uh n- you know number one challenge myself but also number two uh, have that ability to to use sport and triathlon as as a platform for you know such something much bigger than sport itself, and uh, it it really changed changed my life actually. I mean, I came back from from Haiti a different person than than when I left. Uh,
1: is is so it is it um is it more of just a run like you go out there and they say okay we're right they give you a map and we're running from here to here today, or is it sort of an organized um,
4: race? I'd say in between it was an organized run <laughs> so yeah. uh, but they did uh, they, they they did time you so it was time from day to day but it you know uh, it was almost like a team team environment where everyone was helping out everyone else to try to get through the day uh, because you know running 230 miles in a week over mountains and and crazy terrain like at first of all I I, I just figured a, an island island in the Caribbean didn't have much vertical change it was going to be relatively flat and yeah maybe you had to deal with a little bit of heat but for example on the last day we actually uh ran 27 miles in the morning and then starting that night at midnight we ran a a double marathon with uh 1500 meters of vertical climbing uh, in that double marathon (laughs) so it it was it was pretty pretty brutal uh pretty brutal event uh but uh you know, there was a, there was some couple competitive guys. I, I actually teamed up with uh, a, a guy from uh, uh, North Carolina out of, outside of Raleigh who does a lot of ultra endurance trail running. <laughs> and, uh, you know, him and I were, were pretty compatible and did, did most of the running uh, from start to finish pretty much together.
0: Mm. You say you, you came back changed. Uh, how How did you change or what did you gain from it?
4: Um, uh, yeah, you know what? I, first of all, I mean, I, I just fell in love with the beauty of the country. I, I had no idea what to really expect going into it. Uh, because, you know, probably most, like most of everyone else in the world, you know, you really all you know about Haiti is the outcome of uh, what you saw on TV, like after the, the earthquake that the devastation earthquake uh, that occurred there in 2010. So, so I, I really had no idea what to expect. And, you know, you see all these huge pictures and hear all these stories about extreme poverty. Uh, but once I got there, I realized that, that, that the Haitian people really have this sense of, sense of pride uh, in everything that they do. And one of the really coolest things that Team Tassie and the, the organization did was, since their mission is to help families out of poverty through placing them in jobs... They actually hired uh, family members from this little small town that the charity works with in Haiti to actually do crew crew support of the run. So, so every 5K there were, there were a couple different pickup trucks and the local Haitian folks that we were employing for the week were handing out water bottle, you know, hand sanitizer, uh, and through that uh, th- just through that exchange for the week, you know, I I just. Uh, you know one person in particular, named his name is uh, his name's uh, Giordani. <clears throat> you know, I just I just grew this uh, personal personal bond with him. I mean, just the the passion that he brought to the run each and every day was it was just contagious. and and you know, you could just tell that all Giordani wanted to do is succeed in life. and everything he did, and all he needed was that opportunity. and And that's kind of what I took away from it was that, you know, all the Haitians really need is opportunity. They need a way, place to get started. They need help to, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, whether it's medical, whether it's education, whether it's jobs, and you know, coming back with the positive attitude that, you know, my experience there hopefully made a difference. And you know, whether through this podcast or whether through, you know, social media, just just bringing visibility to the, you know, to Haiti and the, this beautiful country, it, it just it just changed me.
1: So, so talk us through your run, you know, you've done a huge amount of um Ironman racing and different endurance events. Um how how did the the feelings and your and your legs, your energy levels and how did it sort of pan out over the um the seven to eight days?
4: Well, uh yeah, so the run the run occurred in mid February and I really didn't decide to do this until uh, like mid December. So so and up until, uh, up until the actual event, I had never ran more than 50 K at a time. So outside mm-hmm. of a, you know, one or two 50 K trail races. So, I mean, I was truly entering <laughs> into unknown territory. Uh, and I don't know, I, I, I kind of approached it. I, you know, I had some really, really good training runs going up, leading up to the event. And I perched it almost just like, Hey, we'll just see what happens. You know, if my body breaks down, it breaks down. And uh, you know, so I mean, the first day I took it out with a buddy of mine, and we probably took out the first ten miles running, you know, maybe like seven, seven fifteen, <laughs> tight per mile, type pace. <laughs> it's probably <laughs> stupid looking back yeah. on it now, but uh, no, nah, you know, just just approached every day, each day at a time. Uh, I, I I come back and tell people that you know, you you put the you put this course in the U S or in any other developed country. And yeah, it's, it's hard, but, but it's what makes it so much more challenging is just all the sensory overloads that go along with the event while running through Haiti, just the, 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 the smells of the burning trash on the side of the road, getting chased by goats and seeing, you know, a family of seven on a motor on a motorcycle (laughs) and, and, you know, most of the runs just to beat the heat, we also started uh, most of the days at like uh, four or five in the morning. So just running, you know, the first three hours in the dark and, you know, hearing these strange noises off in the distance. And then just just the, the, the uh, fueling strategies were so much different. You know, you put this event in the States and... After after the each day's run, you're you know you're going out to an Italian restaurant and, and loading loading up on some really good good food and and in Haiti, uh, pretty much our main cuisine consisted of rice and beans and goat and fried plantains. <laughs> so so I mean just, just all of those different thing elements that, that came along with it really really made it a a unique unique uh, and memorable experience for me.
1: How about the recovery? And, and, and I guess recovery is question one. And, and question two, now you've done this sort of multi-day event, does that motivate you to do other such events? Um, you know, We see guys doing you know, Deca Men now, 10 Ironmans in 10 days, or Ultraman, all these things that go on um, several days. Is, it, is that motivated to do that? Or do you go, oh, I'd rather get these things done and dusted in one day?
4: Uh, you know, I mean, when I, when I left Haiti and came home, you know, it was one of those things where I said, um, I, it was the best thing I've ever done that I've never want to do again. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, uh, everything passes with time. So here we are maybe three, four weeks post event, and I'm already thinking about, uh, doing the run again next year. So, I mean, uh, it, it was just a special, special, uh, special time. So to answer your question about maybe a uh, long course, longer course type triathlon events, uh, you know, I don't know about the deca stuff, but you know maybe <laughs> i I always like doing unique things you know so so I got introduced I did a swim run event last uh last fall that was really cool I've done some uh go rock military special forces type events that were like twenty four hours uh you know little things like that uh maybe uh maybe ultraman someday uh <laughs> I don't know it's it's on my bucket list but for right now it, you know my you know at least my immediate uh, 2 to 3 year focus is is definitely Fast. still on yeah yeah so guys if you <laughs> want I, I always I always say about those long long distance events it's like you can still be you know you can do those when you start to slow down yeah, exactly you <laughs> so... got plenty of
0: time to get there yeah
4: yeah.
1: So, so guys, if you want to um, find out more about the the run across Haiti or support um, Team Tassie that Chad's been talking about, you go to teamtassie.com. That's T-A-S-S-Y.com. Um, so you, you've said uh, you know you're obviously going to try to go fast this year, try to aim for those top fives. What's your sort of race? What races are you planning on doing at this stage?
4: Sure, I'm uh, going to start my season at uh, Ironman Raleigh seventy point three. In uh, North Carolina, that's uh, early June, and then I'll uh, I, then I plan to transition to the Ironman circuit. So I'll do uh, Lake Placid, Lake Placid in July, uh, tentatively Wisconsin in September, and then Louisville in October, and then potentially uh, Arizona in November. Depends on how the body feels, <laughs> how, how well I recover. And if
1: anybody wants to follow your progress, um, you yeah, obviously for, 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 for people to follow, people like Frodo and all that sort of stuff, they go, wow, that guy's amazing, he's so fast. But for guys like you who are um, essentially age groupers racing in the professional ranks, um, sometimes it's a bit easier to r- relate to what you're going through and the challenges you face. So do you do anything um, in terms of blogs, social media, or anything like that, and how can people follow you?
4: Yeah, I'd say the best ways: uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, at Chad Holderbaum, or uh, you can also visit my website at chadholderbaum.com.
1: Fantastic. Good times. Oh, well, we now have another name we can look out for when we see those results. Often we only focus on the, the top you know, two or three, um, mm-hmm. but it's always good to, to know some of the other names that are sort of sitting in, well, they were sitting around about that 5th to 10th, but this year they're going to be 5th yeah. or, or above. Maybe yeah. even a win. Maybe <laughs> yeah. even a win. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> so good luck with your season, and um, thanks for sharing that stuff on uh, on your run across Haiti. And again, that website, guys, if you're keen to support um what Chad went through, uh, it's com.
4: It's at, uh, .org. .org. <laughs> .org.
1: I wonder the website
0: didn't come up when I clicked it. There <laughs> <laughs> .org, yeah.
1: there you go, guys. Fantastic, Chad. Thanks for your time.
4: Okay. thank you so much. Cheers.
0: I liked his answer in that kind of way he went pro was I only get so time to, so much time in my life to actually explore this place, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's a pretty obvious. It's been a good move because he pretty much lost half an hour of his time by stepping up yes, to that absolutely. next level. But you know, that's the first time someone's ever said that. Mm. When we, you know, when we talk to these kind of athletes who are really good age groupers, probably could enter like me, my time, but kind of just entered it at that level for a short moment, yeah. and then pulled away. Now, if I'd stuck at it, I might have been a guy who got down to 840. Mm-hmm. If I devoted my whole life to it, um, but you know, like his answer was, yeah, we're a really good way of looking at. it. You know what? I've got, I've got the ability. I'm pretty close. I'm only going to get this opportunity for a gap of maybe five, six years. Yep. Yeah, so it was a really good answer. Yeah. What do you yeah. think? And he's doing he's
1: doing bloody well. Far out, yeah. Yeah, so, eight, you know, an eight, it was an 8.30.
2: That's smoking. That's
1: moving pretty quickly for someone who, you know, even if you are super organized, you know, if you're doing a four, even a 40-hour week, um, you know, you've got to be onto it with the family and all that sort of stuff. So very organized, and, I, and is, I think his comment, not everybody can do that, but, you know, he really blocks out that time of... Just a two hour bike ride it's like
0: that's a meeting i'm doing it do i'm know, leaving do you know my weekly meeting john i do yeah. that too good block out my training yeah I block it in okay go for a run in because that's what i do john my oh, weekly sure. meeting is valuable absolutely yeah you, you have my week okay. bevan, okay. bevan present well, yep that's right <laughs> bevan present anyone else Okay, let's get started. I get questions. Oh no, quick, Wanger of the week. Quickly do Wang of the week.
1: The category selected this week is. Uh, Am I on there yet? Sorry, no, I don't uh, think so. I don't know. Uh, category selected is selected as number seven, which is what is number seven? Total duration. So who did the most training last
0: week? The
1: total duration. Oh, some new names here.
0: Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Hey, hey. So overall, to uh, Thomas,
1: is that a Japanese way of spelling Thomas? T U O M A S. Thomas. What are we looking for? Longest single activity. Total duration. Total duration. Cosican, Eight activities for one day and eight eight minutes. Eight one day eight hours twenty two minutes.
0: So he did. 24 hours plus uh, 32 hours.
1: Yeah, I guess so. Yeah.
0: It's a lot of training.
1: It is a lot of training. Tumas. Tumas? 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 Tumas Kosakin from Japan. Well done. That's Brett, Brett Johnson uh, was second in one day in four minutes and 26 minutes. And Melissa Uri from Australia. She was third with twenty two hours, fifty six minutes, and fifty five. minutes. And a girl.
0: Tony Hodges coming in with.
1: She only did six sessions in nearly twenty hours. It's fantastic, and Jennifer Moore was third in ten fourteen. There we go. And Ben Cobra from Australia. Yeah, up,
0: okay, John. There's one special award we need to look at this week. Was twenty two hours and 50, 34 minutes. I know you don't like to go to other categories, but go down to the lowest end. Ah. total Kona award for thirty third and total training time. <laughs>
1: nice, John Newsom. Fantastic. Yep. Twelve hours and seventeen minutes and fifty seven seconds.
0: Yep. So there you go.
1: I'm in the middle of my two week shit period basically where I'm just doing what I can get in.
0: Just because you've got, I've got a w- bunch of events on, so Oh, that's cool. Yeah, made your day, didn't you? It did. major made your day. Okay, questions <laughs> and answers. And actually we just had a question about this app. Do you want to talk about it now? Not really. Well you've got you've got it in the show notes, under Winger of the Week. Uh, you went to Graham and you talked about. Oh yeah, it's
1: yeah. so a Graham who from um, from dot com who came up with the the algorithm to to pull out that IM Talk data onto a special page. Um, somebody was complaining that it's, it's their fault that they, they uploaded some workout to Strava and it was like twenty hours long or something, they hadn't pressed stop on their watch and then it, it altered our results. So Graham's onto it and he's uh, excluded any flagged activities from the results and he'll also refetch any activity that is flagged after that being uploaded, providing this change is included in Strava. Um so he's doing his best. It's never gonna be perfect. Oh, yeah. But uh That's bloody it's pretty awesome. Yeah, no, Graham's only. But doing don't great game job. it
0: either. Yeah. Don't don't game it. Yeah. Yeah, don't make it you did know, a twenty a twenty-six hour day and twenty-four hour day. Okay, we've got to keep it right. Okay, questions and answers. So good old,
1: who's in that through? I'm not sure, but Challenge need to pull their socks up a little bit here. They put a post out. The Challenge family said, after the Hawaii Triathlon, Challenge Almira is the oldest triathlon world, uh, in, of the world on the classic distance. The European Triathlon Union Challenge family have great, granted Almira the European Championships. So Almira, great race. It has been around for ages. Is come Was often, that the one you did? Uh, no. Was no. that the one you did? No, I haven't uh, done any racing in Holland.
0: But where was the race you did with Molina in that and he was a real, like a real star?
1: Uh, uh, that was uh, Embran Man oh, in okay, France. Yep. So my only gripe here, and, and someone sent this through, is Challenge, they don't get recognised in Kona, they, you know, wrote as the, the naughty word, or with Challenge, you're not allowed to yeah. say that, but then Challenge go out and call it the Hawaii Triathlon. It's like, come on, it's a Hawaii man. Yeah. And I'm sure the stupid thing
0: is, it makes people focus on that more. Hmm. It's like when you're in Kona and they don't mention Challenge Wanaka, or challenge, sorry, um, road. It's like everyone's yeah, puts all your emphasis on challenge road. Yeah, you know, and the same thing here. Just say why I'm in.
1: We had a bunch of people emailing in uh, about the about us ranting last week about the Kona postcard yeah. d- slot debacle. And debacle, and it it sounds like it's obviously you know the reason they've done it is because they want to have a lottery, uh, and they can't in America now. You cannot have a any payment being collected for a lottery like that, otherwise it, uh, you have to have you know, be registered and all that sort of malarkey so that's why they were doing it illegally previously, unbeknownst to them. Um, you would hope Uh, so that's why it's got to be a free prize draw and you can choose to donate to to somewhere but you don't have to pay to enter I guess my point here is I just think it's a stupid idea having that that system anymore I mean these days there's so many races on all around the world and um, I'd rather the the slots to be honest these days go to people that at least have done an an event you know like maybe you have one slot at every race around the world that just gets randomly drawn Um, I just I just think that's a better way of doing it myself that's why I was Getting pretty fired up and just send a postcard in. I mean, no, but someone
0: sent through saying, Look, they're saying they try to discourage people from using this option, which is why they specify a postcard, even the size of the postcard. So they're actually trying to make it hard so people don't do it, Mm. which means those who have a bit of initiative will probably do a right out of it. Because if you so, if you send in
1: a six by nine postcard, it's not going to count, it's got to be five by seven. Get your
0: rollers out, people, if you're <laughs> sending <it out>. a <laughs> Okay, we're going to view, um, uh, sorry, another email from K- Skip Slade and Bone Crusher, and he's just got briefly. Uh, appears that one of the one woman only triathlon in San Diego, California, will no longer continue. It has been going for years and went by the same name, She Rocks, then Esprit de She. It was very popular for women, especially newbies. The race has been replaced by a lifetime tri sprint event at the same venue, same weekend. And time of year, Lifetime Try and Ironman have been have a very partnership arrangement with each other, so it makes many in our community wonder about the commitment to building women's participation in the sport when they eliminate a popular well around 403 entries last year low barrier vehicle. Swim buddies are on the swim course, as that is a bar, sprint, swim option, sprint super option, sprint relay, duathlon, 5k options, mother-daughter options etc etc for women's participants. My wife rallies a group of women's 10 to 20 plus strong who participate. I don't know about the politics, economics etc for this move but on the surface of it it seems counterproductive for the sport. For all I know the overhead for putting on this race for 400 participants is too high to even break even.
1: It is sad because those women's races have been hugely popular. But interestingly, we've got a a local woman who used to run a series in Christchurch and I bumped into her on Sunday, Barbara Miller, um, Mm -hmm. and she has just resurrected her race. Which race was that? Uh, the physio med sort of women's yep. series, and it used to be very very popular. Kind of just died off a, a little bit of a slow death, but she's moved it out to North Canterbury and Selwyn, and said it's uh, she got about 350 people racing the other day. I think the key with that is you need some really strong local partners to really. En- there was a moment engage. in New Zealand
0: where women's triathlon
1: was huge. Yep so you've got to have a good marketing machine and and I think and the key for her was having that local partnership with the council and they really marketed the event very very well Um, and I think yeah I think they are missing a beat here um, because sometimes you've got to play the long game a little bit and if you're thinking right we've only got four or five hundred people racing here but of them, quite a few of them might become customers further down the track, and they might do well, 70.3, Ironman, et cetera. Yeah. So sometimes you just got to take a bit of a loss there. So sad to see, but um, I don't think all hope is lost. I think there's still some really good women's races around, and I do think that they make a big difference because uh, a lot of the women doing those races would not do a, a normal type triathlon, which is going to have the you know competitive element to it. Well,
0: the Special K Series they had for a while,
1: mm. they would get thousands, wouldn't they? Oh, it? absolutely. Yeah. But I don't think that'll ever come back. That was the, the cool thing at the time to go and do. Um, whereas, uh, but I still think there's a, a real good demand there if uh, if you get some smart people involved.
0: John, just the last quick email. John Innes sent us an email through. John who? John Innes. Okay. John Innes. got name. John, I know you love a bit of palm bashing. But given the commercial deal that Alistair Brownlee has with Adidas, Adidas it's quite possible that he's contractually obligated to wear his sponsored kit. So maybe not a complete douchebag. Do <laughs> mm. I, I understand that he
1: might be, but it seemed like there was, uh, how many guys was in that race? 24 others that all... But They probably do not have w- a, a Brownlee Adidas deal. I would say that Gomez probably would. No, maybe not quite to the same level as Brownlee, but I'm sure that um, if he'd had a big Adidas on the side of his top, I don't know. I'm not. No, I'm not sure. I just thought he looked like a douche, and it looked like he was. Do you know what a douchebag is? No. Don't, don't don't search it. Okay. <laughs> don't search it. Um, so I'll, I'll stand by my opinion. I understand what you're saying. He may have been obligated, but I just thought. Um, I don't know. Didn't look good. Didn't look good. John, patrons. Phil, the Philinator Patterson. Oh, this week's discussion came yes. from the pe-
0: Philinator. You said this one. Uh, the Oslo Express Christian Sheander, James Picker Age of Danger Or Hot Lips I'm not quite sure Terry Besity DLS And the then Dirty Murray little secret. He's coming over to, to DLS, us. little secret. That's a good yeah. one And then the Holy Hammer Murray Lepworth. I saw Holy Hammer Because he did the race On the weekend Yes Yeah, He was having a sprint Finish at the end Did he? I think he took it out too Good Pretty sure he did actually He looked yeah. pretty happy with himself Then he rode home Because that's what the Holy Hammer does And that's what I told him to do Oh, did you? Well, there yep. you go. We did. He did. He's, he's stood around and talked for twenty hours, but yeah. he brought him the next day. <laughs> <laughs> God. Uh, John sponsors athletics. networking for endurance athletes and extreme endurance. Your electric buffer. And what's the goss,
1: John? What's the goss? Uh, is it middle, middle of a bit of a two week? How would how the race go last week? Secondary schools triathlon, that was good. Um, yep, that went really well. Nice little compact course, which was great. And then we had, yeah, primary schools race with a thousand kids yesterday. We did do that? Uh, Ruripuna, rained all oh, day. Yeah. yep. And wait, wait,
0: so it was a duathlon? Duathlon,
1: oh. yep. And then this weekend is the Sovereign Sea to Sky Race on Sunday. So hopefully lots of you listeners locally. What's the long range looking like? It's looking okay now. It's chopping and changing. But we don't, we look at long range forecasts. Never trust long range. we don't
0: trust them. Never trust long range. So I've
1: got, um, I'm hopeful that it's going to be okay. And entries entry's looking good. We might have up around 400 or so. So I'm pretty happy with that. Nice. And other than that, life's just all... Just go 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 at the moment. So it's, oh, um, he doesn't want to use that busy word. <laughs> no, not busy. I've I've, I've planned for it's this. It's go go go. I've planned for this. I thought training's going to take a hit this week. Family's taking a hit this sort of period as well. Everything's taking a hit. It's just getting through it and coming out the other side. Life uh, not is not go go gone. go. <laughs>
0: hmm. Hashtag busy.
1: <laughs> uh, Bevan, what's
0: happening in your world? What's happening? I've had a bit of a chest pain, John. Yes, I might die. Yeah. I'm not, not going to die. Well, hopefully I don't know. If I'm dead next week, that was a bad statement. Yeah. Hopefully enjoyed the show while I was here. John will find someone else pretty quickly. But um, so I went to the doctor yesterday. It's just a little funny one. It's kind of not that bad, but I'm trying to be... A, I tried to communicate with my partner mm-hmm. instead of trying to hold him back. So if she drops dead, you know she knows why. No, just like you know, because guys won't tell people. It's mm, true. You know what I mean? You're just no, it's not it's alright, she'll be right, mate. It's kind of mm-hmm. the Kiwi attitude. So I thought to myself, no, no. I'll tell Joe. And uh and then she told me I need to go to the doctor. So mm-hmm. being a good partner you know, I went to the doctor. And uh turns out I'm pretty fit, John, and mm-hmm. the doctors were quite shocked and dismayed Good. Because my while I was there, my heart rate was at 40, and then when they put me on the ECG, it was got down to like 31 mm. and they were like, even they were pulling doctors in, they were like, look at this, uh-huh. <laughs> like, look at this. And my doctor goes, look, now, there's, there's fit and then there's this. And i thought, oh, that's pretty cool. But luckily, uh, every, all the results show that I'm I'm pretty fine. fine. Yeah. Got but you. Then, I, and then I twisted my ankle last night. I
2: know. Yeah. Although Twisted twisted
0: ankle's fine.
1: Yeah. I'm and he good. was, he was get, we started the show, we had an eight o'clock interview this morning and uh, we needed to be on time and bevan got his he was going joe can you come and can you come and put the strap this around my ankle while we start the interview so you better not be bloody putting ice on that no i didn't no i put put heat. warmth on there yeah and you'll need to be active today or you've been to the gym already i've
0: taught a class yeah yeah well i taught a a sprint class which is a bike class yeah so i did that which you know so yeah i've been active
1: yeah you can walk down to my place or something like that actually i want to make a, a a move that i think you should move back to your old house Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I still I'd own it. So, yeah, you know, i you know, so. I'm just got to kick my tenants out. Yeah, I tenants. want a downgraded do, house. Do a house, do a house yeah. swap. So, yeah. I've got this place.
2: To charge you can go up rent. the hill. I'll come down. <laughs> <laughs> Have yeah. I got a plan for you? <laughs> <It's
0: just laughs> They'll probably turn me down, John. Yeah. Why? Well, because now you've got to bike it's up the hill. It's inconvenient sometimes. To biking up, up the hill is never fun, is it? No. Not when you transport. No. When I moved into this house, because Joe was still working, I had the intention of biking up the hill every day. And I did for the first six months. And then when Joe moved home, I was so glad because I never book up the hill for transport now. No, And what, have, what other gosses are there? What other gosses there, Bevan? Um, not
1: too much else. Haven't had much time to get too much else. I made a monumental cock up the other uh, day. What'd you do? So we get these bike racks for the race. Yep. Uh, and I've got to go borrow them off the lovely Barbara Miller. And she normally just said, I normally email and she says, yep, just go and grab them. Because we've got a, for the kids race, as I said, we've got a thousand kids here. Did, did she, shit, did she the buy bus- them or something? Yeah, yeah, because she <coughs> when she was running these races, she had to have a lot of bike, r- bike racks. And uh, and so this is the one time where I didn't email her to say that I was going, she stores them in this container. Yep. And it's way out in the country, out in Mandeville, which is like a hoker sort of. So it's, oh, I've got a story about a hoker. It takes me f- f- you know, 35 to 40 minutes to get there. Yep. And um, and I'd arranged to have bloody hell! My phone is just yeah, going. You, you think you turn it off? Yeah. Um, so arranged for three other guys to turn up there. <gasps> Pull up. Containers disappeared. I'm like, oh,
2: oh, what no. the hell? What and happened? He, and
1: she's moved it somewhere else in, in rolleston which is <laughs> about. Enough. And those three other guys had to go with you. They only one came with me. The others, I, I had some other other arrangements. So what a nightmare! It was like going 45 minutes, 30, 35 minutes one way, not there. 30, 35 minutes another way, and then 40
0: minutes to get home. One of the best weekends of my oh. life, John, is was in Ioka. Ioka, how is that? There's a swingers club out there. Is it really? <laughs> That's why, John, it was last weekend. Joe and I, we went there. <laughs> no, um, when I was, yeah, well, that, that wouldn't surprise me, John. Yeah. Because when I was a teenager, we, we had a mate who was a bit of a country boy, and we went out and hung out with him one weekend. And the first night, we went camping, like, by the lake, and literally, we we told this time, boy, I can't remember his name. We said, go get some wood. He came back with a tree. Like, oh, wow. Literally dragging a tree. So that was gold. And the next night, we went to a party in Ioka. And now, the thing about the girls in Ioka is they, they didn't have the city boys come out much. Yeah. I tell you what, there was a good night. And there was a girl called Grace. Oh, what have you happened to Grace? <laughs> oh, that was a good night, John. Oh, the new She asked me to the prom. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I didn't go. And I regret not going to the prom with Grace. She was a lovely girl. Yeah. Race in Ioka. You got anything on this week, Bevan?
1: (laughs) Going to Wanaka. Going to Wanaka,
0: yep. There's a race on Wanaka. And then, do you know what? I've been away way too much this year. Mm. So next week, until we go to Europe, I've got to go to Auckland once. Wellington once. Oh, I'm gonna go away. I live a I live a travel filled life, John. You do. Poor me.
1: I've got to arrange an interview with uh, with our niche legends, legends. interview that we've got to do right now. Or we'll arrange it, and also I've got to go because I've got to do an interview with Mitch Anderson, who will be on next week's show if I get the interview done all good. And he set a new 12 hour bike record. Uh, what do you mean? He, he basically did a 12 hour individual time trial. It's How far you can go? Record. 12 hours. 501 kilometers. 12 hours. Yeah. Average 41 point, 41.3 or forty one No, he won he,
0: won he won. Western Australia. Yeah. And he won it that year. No, who was it? Jason Shortes, wasn't it? Jason Short He used yeah. to always win it, and he beat Jason, didn't he? I don't know who he beat, but I know he won Western Australia. And it was a bit out of the blue when he won it, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was, it was quite a few years ago, so I don't yeah. recall exactly. Yeah. I remember met him. Mm. Um, so wait, he rode f- how far?
1: 501 kilometres in 12 hours. It's pretty cool he cracked the 500 too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we'll, uh, you'll hear that next week. Oh, hopefully. I look forward to hearing about it. I'm Russ. I'm Indu.
0: Train hard. Train smart. Kick hard.